Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We have a great guest today. Today's guest is the one and only Cliff Rawson. I've met Cliff Rawson several times downtown, and he's one of the coolest guys I know, and he's rocking out. This guy, just the way he dresses and he looks, he looks like a real rock and roller kind of guy. Uh, when he came into the studio today, uh, he got a little lost because for some reason Google sends my guest to the other side of the block, and it's confusing. So he got a little lost, and when I saw him, there he goes. He's strutting with his with his leather jacket. He has that Lou Reed iconic uh, photo on a, on his shirt, and carry on a guitar. It's like, yeah, this guy, this guy is the definition of fucking rock and roll. And he was a great guy to talk to. Had a lot of great things to say. Uh, definitely. Uh, one of my favorite local musicians for sure. Uh, his band Cola, you know, that's a C O L A. I I feel it's one of the best bands in San Jose right now. Um, and there's a lot of great bands, but for some reason they stick out with me. And a lot of it has to do with, for me, they're like the real rock and roll. They're not necessarily punk. They're not necessarily you know, uh, alternative. They're like fucking rock and roll. The type of rock and roll that you would hear. Coming from the fucking, you know, uh, bayou and stuff like that. Uh, so, great music. Check them out. Check out their music at colarock.bandcamp.com. And uh, check out their music. Buy, buy their their uh, their songs. They're worth buying. And they have a YouTube. They got music videos. Uh, so, check them out on Facebook and YouTube. Cola, C-O-L-A. And if you can't find them, just put Cola San Jose somewhere in there. Um, great, great music. Uh, as you're about to hear, because the music I'm about to put on is called uh, Tongue Trippin'. It comes from the, one of the latest recording. And at the end of the uh, conversation, he plays an uh, acoustic session live here at the podcast, JMS Podcast. And that one's called Caroline. And... Uh, this guy was, uh, towards the end of our conversation, we figured that he was running late for something. So he pulled out the guitar and he sang that, like, you know, usually musicians take a little time to, you know, get adjusted. Nope, he went right to it in one take and he fucking got it. That's how talented of a, of a musician he is. Cliff Rawson, check him out. Check out his music. Um, also, uh... I don't think I'd need to go much to this uh, next topic. Um, it's an ad for ads on this podcast, if that makes sense. Uh, pretty much, if you haven't noticed right now, this podcast, although I have listeners from around the world, this podcast is mainly here in the South Bay, San Jose region. Not necessarily, but in the Bay Area, South Bay. And I still think it's important for people outside of the Bay Area to listen to my podcast because uh, these creative people that I've these guests have come on I feel a lot of them reflect other towns and other cities in some way or another and I think the lessons and the stories they tell resonates with a lot of people in a very universal artistic way but uh, okay the bottom I'm trying to get to is I am more than happy to advertise any local uh, events happening so if you're listening in and, and you're a musician or if you're, uh, and you know, let's say there's an art gallery coming up, 
feel free to contact me at jmspodcast at gmail.com and I could give you guys a shout out. Hopefully get other listeners from the Bay Area to listen. Um, if if you are a musician, send me some of your music so at least I know what, what kind of, you know, people to gear an ad for your coming, upcoming concert. You know what I'm saying? Um, stuff like that. So I just let you guys know uh, I'm more than happy to, to help out the local community, get the word out. Because uh, at the end of the day, this is what this podcast, uh, I'm gearing it towards. But at the same time, if you're out there in the world and you still feel like there's, you know, uh, you, uh, there's something out there you want to tell the people, feel free. Feel free to ask me any questions or, or a request, anything like that, at jmspodcast at gmail.com. Please follow JMS, blah, blah, I can't even talk anymore. Please follow JMS Podcast on Facebook. Um, I put pictures of my guest on Facebook. Um, also, Instagram. My Instagram is Jorge M. Sanchez 25. My Twitter, same thing, Jorge M. Sanchez. You can follow me on both um, and stuff like that. Well, without much further ado, the song I'm about to play is called Tongue Trippin' by Cola. Uh, lead uh, guitarist and singer is Cliff Rawson, our guest for this episode. So uh, play the music, maestro. It come tripping off the tip of my tongue. Like something I never saw Like money, that sweet sound I hear the trickle down It's a shame, good times don't stick around Cause I'm skipping off the pavement, alright I've been laughing at the government I don't worry and I don't try Oh, just to pass it by a black cloud in the blue, blue sky, but ooh, now, now, I don't need all that much. Ooh, now, now, I don't need all that much. Now, if you like disco, I've been playing in Frisco, that's right. To the truth, I've been feeling fine, got my peace of mind. Oh, every dog gets some summertime, and I've been stealing your thin mints, that's right. But trying not to leave no fingerprints, but they tell you don't fix my car, well, he's a rock star, yeah. This rug. Ooh, 
plans for Halloween um Halloween I think we're gonna be um we're having we're gonna be playing games at my house and we're gonna you know deal with the trick-or-treaters when they come it's pretty cool I live in a in a neighborhood with lots of cute little kids so do you like uh we're a lot of families yeah suburbia you live in suburbia pretty much yeah it's Willow Glen so we've got a lot of you know Willow Glen's really nice I always forget for me Willow Glen's like this beautiful conclave that I forget exists, but like when I get lost, or at least I miss a turn, yeah, and I'm like in the Willow Glen, you know, uh, district where people shop, yeah, like this place is actually pretty nice. It's got that like a little bit of a, a small town vibe or something. I, I guess it got swallowed by San Jose maybe 50 years ago or something, so it's been technically part of San Jose for a long time, but it still has it retains a little bit of that like yeah, like little small town vibe. And as soon as I leave that block or two, or it's about three blocks, right? Yeah. Then you're just back in suburbia, and I, I just yeah. forget about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, that's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like a little. Bubble. <laughs> Is it just me? No, no, no. It's just a, it's the Willow Glen bubble. How long have you been living there for? Uh, about two years. Two yeah. years. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you're not necessarily from San Jose, but you've already impacted the San Jose music scene, which which I find fascinating because well, that's very in some weird way San Jose, very San Joseian of you. Try try to do a word thing there i couldn't well, do it but you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i'm gonna correct you a little bit in that i i'm sort of from here um saratoga technically although i went to junior high at miller which is in san jose and i went to high school in at Montevista, which is cupertino uh-huh. so i was like right on the edge of saratoga when i say saratoga i, th- I think people get the wrong idea I, we were like strictly middle 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 class you know it wasn't like a mansion in the hills any type thing but um, but yeah, around I I left when I was eighteen. So you were born and raised in the South Bay. Yeah, born and raised. Okay. Yeah, so I'm back. I was in uh, Boston for about ten years, in New York for about seven years. You also. said eighteen. Yeah, don't do the math, please. Um, the math. <laughs> the math to figure out uh, all the all the uh, the numbers there. But yeah, I've been away for a long time. Did you leave for school? Or yeah, I went to um, I went to Boston and went to Berkeley College of Music out there for a while. So. Oh, so you studied music in Boston? Yeah, BYU, um, Berkeley College of Music, and then um, at the Boston Conservatory afterwards. You're so you're classically trained. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I I studied. Well, you went to school for it. <laughs> well, I, w- I studied jazz in college. Right. So. What instrument did you play? Guitar. Nice. Yeah. Guitar and jazz. I, I think that's an instrument that people kind of forget exists in the jazz world. Yeah, it's weird. It's like I, I picked up guitar when I wanted to play rock and roll, um, and that's what I like to do now. But I took a, a sort of extended foray uh, vacation into into jazz. I'm glad I did. I, mean, I learned a lot. But it's kind of like, <clears throat> yeah, it's not the ideal instrument for jazz, I, would, I think. You know, I'm probably going to get some flack for saying that, but. Why? Why is um, that? Are there like purists out there that are well, like, you know, like jazz guitarists love the jazz guitar, and I just I, I was always listening to horn players and other other kinds of instrumentalists, uh, pianists and stuff. Um, when I was playing jazz guitar, 
and I never really liked that kind of like sine wave tone. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's it's sacrilege, but like the West Montgomery sound doesn't really do that much for me. Like, it's just I just think of it as like a um, before they really figured out how to make electric guitars, you know? Right. Like Hendrix changed so much about the sound of the guitar. And it's yeah. kind of hard to look back after that. It's just like Chuck Berry, yeah, exactly. Bo Diddley, right? The rock pioneers of fucking rock and roll electric guitar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like uh, the old jazz guitars that people use are just kind of, you know, there's these hollow bodies and they have a certain sound to them, but it's just like one sound. And you know, when they started making solid body guitars and Stratocasters and Telecasters and stuff like that, I play Telecaster nowadays. Um, you can just do a lot more with the sound of the electric guitar, so it's a whole different thing. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm coming from sound-wise, anyway. <laughs> and you played over there? Like, did you play for the school, but did you, were you also in any bands over there? Yeah. Um, so I played, yeah, I played in a bunch of jazz bands, obviously, at Berkeley and then at conservatory afterwards actually when i when i was at boston conservatory i was still taking classes at berkeley it was this master's program that they ran just for a couple of years um which is really cool because i got to study with all the professors at berkeley that i had wanted to but there it's just so crowded and um you know a lot of those classes were really competitive to get into so but they gave the master's students like uh, preferred uh placement and like I said, that program only lasted for like two years. So yeah. for that time, I got to be, you know, study with all these guys that I wanted to study with. It, it's cool. That I like Berkeley. It's like a trade school. And they do everything really fair, egalitarian. Like it's like a lottery to get into these classes. So like people would just call up at them and try and get in, you know. Um, and and uh, sometimes you would. But some of them, you know, it was like 10, 15 people max. And there was like a thousand people trying to get into the class. So you just would never get in. Yeah. Um, so I got to get into some cool classes. Um, I don't know, it was ages ago, though. You mentioned that it was competitive, these classes. Mm. In my, my mind, I've always thought of music majors or, like, people studying music as, you know, like, band from high school where everybody who really wants to could get in in their space. Because yeah. from my mind, it's like, well, there's orchestra, there's a lot of people involved. Mm-hmm. But the movie that made me realize, you know, the, how competitive it was, was a recent film called Whiplash. Okay. Have you seen that I film? Did, I didn't see it, no. It's it's fucking crazy, you know, to the extent, especially in the jazz world and in, in the in the jazz uh, class school, yeah, where there's a lot of you know traditionalist purists, right? And it's like people go ballistics if you even try to change the way jazz sounds. Yeah, and Whiplash is not so much about that. Whiplash is more about how competitive and how it, it can drive you nuts. This competition mm-hmm. of, of of appeasing uh, music teachers and all that stuff, but still. On the subject of jazz, as much as I like it, yeah, uh, there is an extent where people who listen to jazz kind of like want it to be in a certain way, mm-hmm. like in a box, and, yeah. and, and 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 they and they love it for what it is, right? Does that make sense? No, it does or, make. Or, or, or am I t- talking out of my ass here? No, no, you're absolutely right. You're kind of it's a whole can of worms. You know, there's there are purists, and actually the. And to be fair, there's purists yeah. in the blues, there's purists in right. rock and roll even. Yeah, um, I think you're right, though, to to say that there's more of that going on in jazz. I mean, it's not really like a living pop music in the way that it used to be um, in terms of, you know, people used to dance to swing bands, like that was the popular music. Yeah. Um, and now it's more of like an academic um, pursuit and, you know, for 
um, people in kind of classy coffee shops, you know, like you're paying 15 bucks to get in, $7 for every beer and whatever, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not like uh, people's music so much anymore. It's more like intellectual music. And I find it fascinating because jazz, it, its deep roots come from New Orleans, you know, from the South. Right. Come from, from oppression if you really want to look at it. Oh, yeah. And these were the music for the common people, for the common people who are in the working class, who are in the in the low class. Yeah. And now it's transformed into what it is now. Right. Which is funny, which uh, <laughs> this great HBO film uh, or show called Treme. Yeah, I've seen you, a few episodes. Seen yeah, kind of that a couple episodes with that theme. Yeah, uh, of these millionaires trying to build yeah. a jazz uh, uh, like museum in the middle of mm-hmm. a neighborhood. Okay, I didn't see that episode, but but a where a lot of the jazz and the brass band. Yeah, but yeah, great point. Yeah, no, it, it's. I mean, I liked. I was kind of. Um, <clears throat> I liked the traditional jazz. I mean. I, I follow Miles. I, I up until um, just before Bitches Brew, like you know, Nefertiti is maybe my favorite record. And then the fusion loses me a little bit. Like um, I do know like nothing against it. I just wasn't really exactly my thing. Where I picked up again was in some of the more avant-garde fusion, like some of the ECM stuff, um, John Zorn and uh, Bill Frizzell, stuff like that. Um, now we're talking about guitar sounds like Bill Frizzell has a really interesting like electric guitar sound like um you know influenced by Hendrix and you know you got to be careful a lot of this uh, fusion can, is just like kind of a bad idea <laughs> in general um but like you can do really cool things with it um I just like it when it's taken really far and it's not just like a jam you know because I feel like when there was this whole thing of just like you know shredding jazz like rock riffs that was a lot of what fusion was in the um, late seventies and eighties, and that kind of doesn't never did that much for me. Um, but it's a tough thing. I mean, like, I feel like you know, jazz is such a deeply rooted music. I think the rhythms are like walking rhythms, and like swing rhythms are like walking rhythms, and rock and roll is like running to me, and it just not doesn't quite work. And and then of course everything past rock and roll, like you know, you got punk beats and industrial beats and stuff that. It just doesn't really um, work uh, for it. It doesn't work directly to just play jazz riffs over like rock beats or like other kinds of. It just winds up sounding like uh, contrived, you know. But um, some people have, I don't know. Like I said, I like Bill Frizzell a lot. He's taken like Americana and um, and sort of orchestral music, really interesting um, orchestrations and, and kind of finding something organic and different and radical. That's what people forget is that like, you know, bebop was uh, radical music when they invented it. It was like the swing, the African-American swing musicians getting bored playing pop dance music and wanting to do something really radical and crazy. And they invented this style of bebop super fast highly intellectual music um and they were just playing it for each other i had a chance to study with ray brown a little bit at stanford actually when i was 18 um and uh, i was in his band at stanford jazz workshop and he was he was charlie parker's bassist and he had really interesting stories um and one of them was he said when you know when when he was playing with charlie parker and they were you know doing the bebop thing for the first time they were uh you know the the, the reviews were like band from Mars, you know, plays Village Vanguard or wherever they were playing. 
And now when when he tours, it's traditionalist Ray Brown, you know, visits the Village Vanguard. So so now it's like totally in the box that you're talking about. Like, oh, this is a packaged, you know, um, institutionalized art form, you know, that we we uh, we have our, you know, expectations of it and people have recognized it as being intellectual and whatever and it gets accepted into the culture but at the time it was radical so you know i'm looking for for that when i listen to jazz like something something new and it's hard to do because there's so much has been done but um yeah it's just a really interesting progression it seems like you were already studying music at, at a very high caliber since from a young age I don't know. I mean, well, I was trying. Well, you were trying? <laughs> well, let's start from the beginning then. You were born and raised where? Um, you mentioned Saratoga. Saratoga, yeah. Okay. How many siblings do you have? I have two sisters, older. Older. Are they yeah. also into music? Musicians? Yeah, my sister, um, Dahlia Rawson, is a, uh, was a professional ballerina for about 16 years. Cleveland Ballet, and then it became Cleveland San Jose Ballet. And this is just one of the weird coincidences about life that if you wrote this into a novel everyone would be like oh that's not totally implausible but randomly the ballet the cleveland ballet wound up moving back to, to san jose and so dahlia moved back to san jose and like i was in boston at the time and then new york and my parents had left town so there were no rossins left in the south bay at this point there's randomly her company folded in cleveland and moved back to san jose they had been doing some stuff in san jose but this move was just sort of no one's choice but then so she was here and then um at a certain point I moved back kind of to be closer to my family and I wound up in San Jose like I play the piano for the ballet now and uh, now my parents are thinking of moving back so it's just like you know we can't get away there's this gravitational (laughs) force with you guys in San Jose totally I mean I I like it here you know it's I I feel like when I get off the the freeway get off the 85 especially where near where i grew up over by like de Anza college and um cupertino if i get off on those stops over there my i feel like my my pulse drops like 15 beats a minute you know i'm just like oh, okay i'm back home you're more relaxed yeah it's really weird like it just it's something that happens totally um you know unexpectedly uncontrollably i lived over that region briefly when yeah. i was going to de Anza yeah. community college mm-hmm. we were doing with a bunch of international students yeah. on uh hollenbeck mm-hmm yeah, it's a very calm vibe over there, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how much of that is just because it's a calm vibe and beautiful weather and nice hills and whatever, or how much of it is just that I, you know, literally, like, grew up there. I remember, like, some of my first memories are going to, like, De Anza Day and seeing the hot air balloons and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I got some, some love for the South Bay somewhere somewhere deep inside, although it frustrates me sometimes. What frustrates you? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hardly worth talking about, but, like... There's a little bit of a... It's the same thing. Well, if, 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 yeah. if it makes you frustrated, I definitely think it's worth talking <laughs> about. Well, <clears throat> it's like music, man. You it, know, it, I moved it, here... I moved to San Jose from Brooklyn after having lived in Brooklyn for seven years. How was that? Oh, it's amazing. You know, New York is great. And it's... I always say what's cool about New York is how New York can happen anywhere. Like, I, I had a chance to tour quite a bit with um my old band lady cop and another band called new idea society um in europe and america and different places and i i was looking at these cities like berlin and london and um paris and you know um 
just seeing that this there was new there was a little piece of new york in all of these cities and i started to figure out it's like you get enough people together in one place you know then you get new york you know like i was trying to figure out what do you mean by new york like 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 grouchy people like, like no 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 new york is not grouchy people new york is like i mean they can be like rough on the outside just because they're all they're so jazzed about what they're doing they're running around town like you know going to where they're going and if you get in their way like if you wander out of a like a department store into the middle of the new york sidewalk you basically just drove like perpendicularly onto a freeway you know because yeah. everyone's like and, and everyone you know is like wow man come on like beast but it's so, not nothing so personal in, but in this context when you say there's a bit of new york everywhere you're implying there is a music scene or what is it a, it's a vibe is it a certain vibe that you get that yeah. you correlate with New York? Yes. The vibe that I'm talking about is when all kinds of different people get together in a small space and start, and, and it's like a nuclear reaction, you know, like everyone is there, jazzed up to be there for some reason, because there's so much stuff going around, because there are so many people there, um, and they're forced to interact with each other, uh, so that immediately you drop all of your, you know, you, like two weeks living in New York riding the subway and you're done with any kind of prejudice that you had. Like, I mean, and it's not really in your mind. I don't, and like in the mind, maybe it takes longer, but at least in your body, you just get used to sitting next to every kind of potential person on earth, like right next to you, like pushing up against you, like their bag on your lap, you know, and then, and just pressed up together and you just, and everyone's chill with it, you know, because that's that's New York, and because they have no choice but to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you get stressed out. You'd be stressed out all the time. But um, so yeah. if you're claustrophobic or have OCD, stay away from New York. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just that what I mean when I say that New York can be ev- everywhere is that um, you know, it, it's like the end of small town pride if you go there. Like, it, I feel like you to be a New Yorker eventually is to just be like a citizen of the world and to be. Like you don't like New Yorkers don't say um, they don't talk bad about San Francisco, for instance. They'll they'll be like I love San Francisco. Boston does though, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. They, they'll you know and they're just kind of like oh yeah everywhere is cool, uh-huh. and um, because I think there's this you just drop it like you go there and you're just like oh yeah everyone is fine and everyone's cool and like probably if they're living here they're doing something cool, and like you can talk to them like. Especially, I noticed it with men. Like in San Jose, there's so many men, and the balance is way off the men to women thing, especially going out that like the men are all like frustrated and pissed off, and the women are like scared, like legitimately, understandably so. <laughs> Rightfully um, so, yeah. Well, they probably just get so much unwanted attention, I'd assume. But in New York, the, it's actually the other way. Like there's more women than men, and they, you know, um, it, well, there's a better balance. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> Especially for men. Hey, you make um, me taking a one-way ticket to New York right after this podcast yeah, episode. Like but you know, it's just—I um, don't know. What I mean is that like anything can happen, and it's it, and um, it, like all it takes is people together, and any kind of people is okay. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be any sort of person in particular. You just get enough of them together, and they start bouncing ideas off each other, and they start dropping their preconceptions about things and then finally everyone's just kind of like partying together and having a good time and that's New York that's I mean a little bit idealized but that's how I feel it and I feel like you know that can happen anywhere that doesn't have to 
um, just be in New York, for instance, like because New York is made of people from all over the planet. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's a human city, <laughs> you know. Okay, and it, so it's more like a vibe and a community seems mm -hmm. what I'm getting. Yeah, and it's this community that's built on the idea that you can be from anywhere and you're just as much a New Yorker as anyone else. Do you feel there's a New York vibe here in San Jose? Yes. Um, I feel like there's a New York vibe every place. Like, if you find... It's, you know, when I find it, it makes me happy. Like, when people come out... Like, we, we threw a show um, at the Ritz um, on... Uh, a few weeks ago um, and uh, we had dinners headline they did it really good my band Cola played it was cool we had um, mo uh, Mother's Worry and Jean Jackets as well Mother's Worry yeah I ran into those guys accidentally once I love those guys um, but it was cool because you know we had like a garage rock band we had kind of like a no wave dark rock and roll mystery band I, that's I'm talking about Mother's Worry I love those they're guys they're a great band dude yeah I, what it is it's, Real quick tangent because yeah, I'm yeah, so excited sure. that you mentioned their name because I think Mother's Worry is a band that local people should know about, yeah. including yours, Cola. Uh, they're one of the musicians is one of my friend comedian friends uh, roommate. Okay. So we went over for like to hang mm -hmm. out at his place, and like I, the I, I drummer don't know, or the um I, no, it or was, singer. It was this the guitarist Michael Hale. Yeah. And they have this shed outside, mm. so the comedians are outside doing their own thing, yeah. right? And they're in the shed. <clears throat> And then they start jamming, like practice, practicing, yeah. practicing session. And I was like, holy shit. Like the, their sound like blew my mind. I'm yeah. like, dude, mm -hmm. who's playing right now? What is this? Yeah. How come they're in there, not out here? Yeah. And, and sure enough, I had to go over and say hi and say, hey, man, it's good stuff. Those guys have a really deep concept and a real clear concept of what they're doing. Yeah. They're both really um, amazing visual artists, too. Both Michael and his girlfriend Amanda. Yeah, Amanda do, do visual arts. And, and they're they're really nice. As well, yeah, yeah, no, they're well, they're, they're really nice people. to me at least. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're cool. Um, oh, going so back to your fun. show, by the way, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. No, no, it's all right. It's yeah. all right. There'll be another. There'll be another. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we had Jean Jackets, who um, they're awesome too. They, if you check out, um, they just put out a record. It's like kind of garagey. Um, do wappy i don't know how to say it like yeah. it's really cool um rock and roll um they there was a link posted to it on the, at the on the metro um to to their record but you can find it i think it's on itunes now too it's jean jackets not the jean jackets it's just jean jackets but that's my friend millhouse's band um i know the drummer uh, dom dominique yeah dominic yeah he's a cool guy he's a great jazz drummer as well yeah yeah um so anyway what i was just saying is that we had all these different kinds of bands we had the um you know, Jean Jackets, Mother's Worry, Cola is like proto-punk, like rock and roll, almost punk, um, like New York in the 70s, somebody said, something like that. It's kind of the basis, basis of where we're starting from. And then we had Dinners, which is like, you know, um, noisy, indie rock, post-punk, like Sonic Youth, Guided by Voices type thing. So anyway, like we had these different styles of music, and then we had like different scenes showing up, like, you know, people coming out. That's why we call the night scene that we do is we're trying to like build the scene into something a little bigger so we had like you know a bunch of people from cafe stretch come out to see like jean jackets and dinners which are like kind of like cafe stretch bands and then the um mother's worry crowd is kind of coming more from like caravan and some of the you know johnny yeah. v's and the kind of you know more grungier metal spots and you know those those kind of places 
and then Cola, um, you know, I, that's how I met you from the open mic scene. You know, I was I'm doing like first time I met kitchen you. sessions and stuff like yeah. that. You know, but for Scotty, then kitchen sessions. Yeah, exactly. For and, Scotty, and open mics. You left quite an impression because I I was so in, uh, interested and impressed uh, that your guitar strap was actually a bike uh, wheel tube. Oh, oh, um, yeah, the little. Um, the little elastic thing. Yeah. 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 I was like, who's this guy? This guy's amazing. He just <laughs> created his own strap to his guitar with like a, like a wheel tube. Well, I'd like to have a little bit of elastic to, to the strap so that it can, you know, so it's not quite so restrictive, especially with a big boxy acoustic guitar. I yeah. feel like it's like going to break a rib or something. Yeah. I mean, I, like when I put my guitar on my strap, I get like this pain in my shoulder sometimes because it's like yeah. pressing on some muscles. I don't know what it is. Well, yeah. Don't even start me about that. But yeah, you're doing this like crazy thing where you're extending your shoulder around the bo- body of the guitar. I sat like that for years and years and years practicing on a fat acoustic, like a hollow body um, Gibson mm-hmm. guitar and really kind of messed up my back so i don't know i'm sure nowadays there's like yoga classes you can take for that or whatever but when i was doing <laughs> yoga that, fixes I, the most things yeah that's true yeah but yeah i kind of messed myself up doing that but anyway um yeah so yeah scene we just had a bunch of different people from different kinds of groups come together and have fun like you know we had like the the kind of hipsters in the front like dancing like you know getting a little bit stupid a little bit crazy which i love to see mm-hmm. you know because you can't do that at cavi stretch as much i love it there but like you know it's a little more mellow and maybe people are watching you a little more closely but at, yeah. at the judgment ritz, judgments there a little bit yeah you know whatever it's just i <laughs> the ritz ritz yeah. beautiful venue yeah dark enough to not be afraid to like being judged while dancing yeah exactly and all the eyes are on the band they've got like a real stage a real sound system um you know Corey uh was uh the is the owner and and he owned the blank club previously Mm -hmm. which was you know my spot around san jose you know and a bunch of people that i know really love the blank club as like the only indie disco in town and like one of the only spots that touring bands would come and play mm-hmm. it was just too small i think it was like 160 max capacity or something like that the ritz is like 500 so you know but it's like much higher rent and it's a huge like you know i i, I thought it was such a brave move honestly that he moved that, you know he, that he shut down his successful operation at blank club and moved into the building you know to open the ritz it's such a huge risk and he you know if you talk to him he's just all about the san jose scene he wants it to be a real town and he wants us to have real touring bands because most touring bands like skip this town yeah which is absurd because there's six million people in the greater area you know um but now we have like a real venue where you could put on you know mid-sized touring bands um well one thing with venues uh like a lot of venues were left almost abandoned or run down i know like the civic auditorium mm-hmm. you got some other bigger venues for bigger stuff and i think until recently people are kind of going back and and you know fixing them up but when i walk into the ritz for the first time i was so amazed and impressed at the same time i was pissed off i was like how the fuck did they let this thing go before like it makes no sense right. to me Anyway, is that the frustration you were talking about? Yeah, San Jose is a weird animal. You know, like I I work in outreach at the ballet as well. Like I play the piano over there, but I also um, I run our educational outreach program, um, which is bringing music and dance classes to 9,000 kids every year in East San Jose at wow. schools where they don't typically have a lot of arts. And, you know, part of what we do is to try and get 
part of get to get, get the community their outreach community into the theater to see the ballet um and it's like it's all, I'm starting to see it as all connected you know like um we've had some success bringing people we had like 3,000 people come out to see Cinderella which is cool it's like mostly first to third graders that I teach these classes to and their parents and little girls are showing up in like ball gowns and tiaras and like with their whole family to see this show we had two sold out nights back to back and like the dancers love it because you've got it's like a Katy Perry concert you know like Cinderella comes out the end they're just like ah like all little girls are screaming and everything yeah um and it's such a cool thing to to but i feel like we have a divided city kind of you know there's like there's the tech people and basically the people who have a lot of money who and then there's everybody else and like the the tech people want to hang out maybe at santana row which is a bummer to me because it's a mall. That's just my opinion. Like, might as well be. Yeah, know, well, it is, right? Yeah. Like, is it not a mall? Like, where they put and some it, apartments and upstairs? And it's the most European part of the entire city. Like, a lot of my they're European go- friends. That's what they're going for, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my European friends are like, yeah, this is, reminds me of, of Europe. And it's just like a couple blocks of. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. trying to do, but I don't know, man. Like, to me, it's pretty cheesy. I'm just going to be straight up. Like, I don't like Santana Row very much. I prefer to come downtown, even though downtown is gritty. You know, that's why I love downtown. Yeah, because it has the feeling, a little bit of that New York feeling, just a little bit, you know, <sighs> of that like real city, you know, where like real people are coming together from different walks of life, from different, you know, on different errands. They're not just all shopping or trying to look cool, you know, like mm-hmm. um, they're just they're Some people are com- coming from work. Some people are, are working there. Some people are coming out to party. Some people are going to the symphony. Some people are going to a rock and roll show some people are gonna do karaoke or go dancing or go out to eat or whatever that's what a city is um you know when everyone comes together so that's what we're kind of working on i think over like south first street you know i think stretch is great it's bringing people out and talking to each other uh cafe for scotty is awesome obviously the ritz um where i'm putting on shows is a great venue um and there's just starting to be a little bit of an energy there like and there's some places you know art boutique used to be down there that's a great venue too now they're um they're over off the alameda kind of um past like whole foods out there but that's a really cool diy space um you know there's rock shop there's different things going on but um i see this as the challenge it's like you know we face it in the ballet too how do we get people to come out and and see the ballet from from all these you know different walks of life and it's just hard because like the 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 wealthier people a lot of times you know for whatever reason they're techie people for some reason they don't want to come downtown they think it's sketchy or something they're they're worried or or it's not like it doesn't look fancy in the way that they they like it over at Santana Road it looks clean and but you know um but they're missing the the vibe you know the the actual excitement is that the demographics you're you're aiming for is the well, wealthy tech people no i mean that's half of it that's half of it and the other half is everybody else and it's it's getting all of those people what you want is to have all of those people come out and party together in one way or another either at you know a, a jazz concert or, or the, at the ballet or at a rock show or whatever and to get used to each other and to see that it's way better when everyone comes out together and just talks to each other and, and mm-hmm. starts to act like a citizen of the world like you start to feel that New York energy happening and i just say new york i'm sure it's the same thing in san francisco and the other place mm-hmm. you know that real the feeling of a real city starts to happen when everyone just comes out of their shell a little bit and 
you know, will either like you know, like the hipsters dancing on the on on the dance floor at the Ritz to to their band where no one's quite looking at them. They can get a little bit stupid and crazy, you know. Like that to me is like that started to feel like Brooklyn mm-hmm. or like San Francisco or like, you know. Um, well, I feel I feel on on your tracks because I I agree with you for the most part, but I feel the main problem as well. I feel this this uh, this gap that you talk about has about bringing people into our shows. Yeah, I feel a lot of it has to do culturally San Jose, uh, which is crazy because we have so many cultures here. Yeah, like, like you could literally pull San Jose apart and have its own little towns, little cities. Yeah, and uh, the design of the city itself is a little fucked up. And what I mean by that is back in the 50s or so when they were building San Jose and they're still, you know, working shit out, they really wanted a small-town suburbia. So they built a lot of residential areas away from the city. Right. As you notice. So I feel like there's a combination of that, of of people here in San Jose who, for one thing, you know, have this mentality of, "Eh, we're not that big of a deal, so why should, you know... They're going to go to San Francisco if they want to go out or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or at least there's pessimism. I feel there's a sense of pessimism with a lot of San Jose yeah. people, and and I think at the same time, uh, some people may view it as being too far away, even though it's real close, because they live like in South or in the East Side. Yeah. And uh, uh, San Jose, it's changing now, but San Jose is a working class city. I don't care what people say about tech. For the most part, it's a working class city. Then people are working two jobs to yeah. pay for for whatever they could live in. Right. And so the last thing they want to do is leave. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, or and their kids. And the last thing we want them to do is leave because that's the only thing that's making us, you know, more than just a big suburb, boring tech suburb. Mm-hmm. You know, is that you have people doing other things, people from other cultures. You know, <laughs> we don't like. It's like what's happening to. to no. Williamsburg or San Francisco right now it's like everything all of the interesting people the artists the people who are there are getting kind of priced out and it gets to be a boring place it's this weird cycle of you know like gentrification gentrification you know yeah. I, I like I look at it two ways for one way I agree it sucks you know there's much history tradition there but at the same time I'm like there's opportunity as well right there's opportunity to wherever you go it's so weird way it feels like a lot of San Franciscans are feeling they're having a diaspora where they're leaving their homeland now they're being pushed out as refugees yeah. to the rest of the Bay Area totally I'm like so what dude make something of it right make something of it build another scene I hear you it's not yeah it's not so much the um, the young artists unattached that I feel bad for it's more like the people who you know families and older people you yeah. know, that you're just like oh god like you're not really they're raising your rent um, and there's a there's some weird law I just was reading about it that if you if you go out if you're a landlord and you um, there's some loophole like you're going out of business or you like you close down your business then you can you can evict people and they're using it to evict I'm so bad at this stuff like obviously I'm like not, I'm like not if, a, if an apartment's attached to your business um, no it's like if you close down your real estate company or whatever something you or, or you're then you you're allowed to evict all these people and and then sell your you know then you can sell your 
uh, your place at market value or whatever. There, you know, there's there, there is some law that they pass. I'm getting it totally wrong. I just I heard it for like two seconds on NPR. What using... does it apply in this region? No, this is a San okay. Francisco thing. But like, um, you know, it's just because <clears throat> families getting screwed over yeah. and getting evicted. That's a bad scene. You don't want that. Um, yeah, I can understand. Like, people want to cash out. They want to make their money and, and go somewhere else and and use the money to do something. But like. Really, that that long term, you have to have controls on these things because if you don't, then the neighborhood just gets boring and boring and boring. Yeah, you know, it's like what happened in Williamsburg now, that which is like part of Brooklyn, which is the really happening place to be, like mid '90s, late '90s. I remember the first few times I went up there from Boston to play shows with my band. It was just like amazing. Like it was like Disneyland for you know for twenty something rock and rollers up there. You know, um, just beautiful women with like amazing style, and the dudes are the same, and like really good bands, and like and now it's just like strollers and Starbucks and like boring. You know, like all yeah. that stuff has been pushed out somewhere else. Um, People are living too comfortable. Yeah, and the weird thing <laughs> is that like this. I mean, that that the, like then eventually the uh, if you're just looking at it from a business point of view, it's bad money, bad investment anyway. Because eventually the neighborhood's boring, and the yuppies don't want to move there anymore, and they can't charge that much rent because it's boring. They're going to want to live in Bushwick where there's some artists. Yeah, it's so fucked up. I, I was reading a couple articles about yuppies moving in uh, to places where it's like you know known for its culture I said that in quotation mark yeah because um, that can mean many things but the culture of you know street uh, music in the streets and, and vendors in the streets but when the yuppies moved in they're you know they come from like suburbia so they're not used to it they're there for for the ideal of it yeah. but once they're there they're like I don't like music all the way through the night so they start calling the cops on these musicians right. they start calling the cops yeah. to stop the other activity yeah. where and and they don't participate yeah like, instead of participating yeah, yeah. Yeah. which i find ironic because that's the reason why they moved into that region in the first place right no it's like they want it's like a consumable to them like oh i'm gonna be cool i'm gonna go move to the cool neighborhood where there's like you know uh, fashionable people that everyone says that's the place to live why not i can afford it i can afford this astronomical rent that they just started asking for last month you know and and then right you're right then they don't i mean i don't want to like villainize people people are in different places in their lives and you know i i always encourage people to come out and like you know we're talking about doing a barcraft night do you know what barcraft is you know i I, if it is what i think it is i recently known what it is is where you tell a business or a business tells a beer company no no okay i already (laughs) got it wrong What, what is it um it's okay so starcraft is the video game um that i don't know if you know but yeah a lot of koreans are into it right no you you can be professional Uh, so anyway like a lot of people in south bay are into like esports and like serious gaming but barcraft is something they'll do like in san francisco or new york where um they'll have uh you know they'll open up a bar and show the game it's like they'll show the tournament they're in like national tournaments or whatever so basically you just show up at the bar and you watch your starcraft game with a bunch of other dorks yeah right i I like starcraft so i count myself in but what i was thinking is we could do it and have punk bands play like in between the different sets yeah you know maybe do it at ritz or do it someplace and just get to try and bring in some people and be like yeah well maybe you're gonna like this this death grave which is one of like this awesome grindcore band that i saw for the first time at um you know that that it's yeah. uh, that demographic of gamers it's yeah. still relatively untapped to the entertainment industry totally. when it comes to music and other stuff yeah because let me tell you what, what i mentioned before i lived in the cupertino sunnyvale area of, of homestead and home back 
and I moved in with international students. Mm-hmm. I moved in with a Swedish guy and three Koreans. Yeah. And they were gamers. They were like, like for me, I thought I was a gamer, you know, playing FIFA once in a while, right. or playing a shooter. No, these guys were into StarCraft. These yeah. guys were into League of Legends. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember being like in such, I walk in and they're like, they're watching something on TV. Yeah. I'm like, what are you guys watching? He was like, we're watching a, a tournament. A yeah. tournament. I was yeah. like, of what? Of, of, of uh, League of Legends. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. Uh, and they treated it, and I was watching with them, and it's like, they treated like ESPN. They had, you mm. know, commentators. Like it, yeah. They had, I'm like, okay, so you guys are watching TV of other people playing a video game. Like, yeah. in my mind, I still didn't register right. how big it is for them. Yeah. Like, yeah, these are from all over the world. This is Sweden versus so-and-so. This is, and then people make millions of dollars. Yeah. And then, then. I don't know about millions of dollars, but they, they, there are professionals. Yeah. And then, and, and then like after a game, like GG, I'm like, what is that? Yeah. They're yeah, a good yeah. game. I'm like, yeah. So I was, I was introduced to this whole gaming world yeah. that I, I was like, like so interested in for a bit. Yeah, it's kind of on the par of an industry um, with with something like professional surfing, like you know, like you can make about that much money. That it's about that size and has about that level of interest. Well, getting sponsors and all that. Yeah, and they live in a house together, like the gamers on different teams, like different like surf. Um, what do they call them? Is it teams that they live together? I've I've heard that comparison. <laughs> um, Surfer teams are they called pods? I don't know. Is <laughs> it like some sea? Ma- yeah, like pads? sea mammals. Um, They're called schools. Pods, right? Schools maybe. <laughs> I don't Surfer know, schools. I don't know, but they you, you know you can I hear that you can make about the same amount. You have about as much of a chance of making your living uh, being a professional surfer as being a professional gamer, and probably better if you're Korean because they they kick ass. But like in StarCraft, um, like the the best players are overwhelmingly Korean, and it's to the extent that even if you're playing a tournament in um, you know America or Europe someplace, like if you're not Korean, you're a foreigner. And yeah, that's how they talk about. It. There's like, yeah. oh, oh, a hey, foreigner is in the I, final round. I felt like a foreigner living <laughs> in Sunnyvale. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm trying to like you know maybe use that as an angle to get some people out and just kind of experience downtown in one way or another. Mix in some music. You're like, hey, maybe you'll like this band. Um, is downtown your concentration right now, <clears throat> as far as the music scene? Yeah, like okay. I liked. Right now, I'm throwing shows at the Ritz and um, at Art Boutique. Those are probably my favorite couple of venues. Tell me a bit about your band, because the way I describe it, uh, which I like your band, your sound. As you mentioned earlier, that people compared to '70s New York, and I'm like, not really. You guys remind me of '60s '70s British. Okay. I'm talking about the Stones. I'm yeah. talking about, uh, you know, the the animals kind of kind of sound with bluesy undertones mm-hmm. and rocking fucking you know heavy shit on it. Yeah, I mean, I usually tell people somewhere between the Stones and the Velvets. Okay, see that that's a yeah. good hybrid of both. You got a bit of Lou Reed and you got a bit of the Stones. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like a starting point. And sometimes I hear a little Pixies or something else in there, but we're not really a punk band anymore. And I mean that in the loosest terms. Okay, so tell me a bit how you formed this band because you mentioned that you were in a band called Lady Cop. Yeah. In in Boston. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. So yeah, Lady Cop was cool. It was like kind of post punk um post hardcore electronica indie rock something um and i don't know we were we put out a bunch of eps everything was like diy like actually booked four european tours three um and one of them i went on where in europe did you go oh god everywhere it was so fun we flew into usually into switzerland and we drive up to germany 
head over like through Berlin down into um, uh, Prague and then back across Germany usually like on the north side over to the Netherlands back down through Belgium and a little bit of France across the, the, um, the channel into England we spend like a week and a half in England two weeks come back into France do another couple weeks in France head down into Spain like do a big loop around back up to um, through sometimes we would dip into like Eastern Europe Slovenia and, what was the and time frame like is it there for like, weeks or days like I'm talking we were there for like three months three four months yeah. on each tour that's good at um, least you get, you didn't burn out too fast oh it was so much fun you can't burn out when you're touring in Europe because you're just in a different country like every day day practically or like you know or so you say that yeah. I, i'm already thinking i would burn out <laughs> oh no man it's so much fun i mean you just get used to it like you you kind of live and we would rent this weird peugeot um like kind of looks like a cross between an suv and like a station wagon super ugly but it's perfect for touring it's like really boxy and vertical in the back so it was perfect for stacking amps um we had a roof rack on top with like a bunch of clothes and stuff um and then you know we would just roll from town to town with the gps um sleeping on people's couches but you just kind of like you never sleep that well at night and you have to get up early and kind of shuffle out of somebody's place and you're like thank you thank you thank you and you like clean up all your stuff and you maybe grab Danke, a shower Danke. and Danke you, shen. yeah well thankfully every, everyone speaks english gracias but <laughs> grazie i'm just kidding Go yeah <laughs> and then and then you sleep in the in the car you know like you got seven hours to drive and you just kind of get your sleep and you're really only required to be fully functional for about two and a half hours a day <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of like in this semi-sleepy state all day long yeah and then you get to the venue you sound check you eat something you play a rock and roll show you throw back some drinks hang out with the band and like a couple hours later you're sleeping again sounds like you're living the dream there buddy oh it was great i love doing that and you didn't burn out no man it was all diy we booked all those shows ourselves um we would make money which is crazy and <laughs> that's um, a crazy idea you, musicians making money no, it's insane like yeah. i mean you would think with all the plane tickets and everything we would have lost money but we didn't we would make money in europe and then we had the stupid idea of tutoring america and that's what broke the band up <laughs> what happened there not really i mean we we were on the road for about seven and a half months um in a bus around america and just like you know after touring in like portugal and fucking like you know switzerland it's just hard to travel to do the midwest and like I, you know, I a actually, lot of open fields yeah and just small towns and people are just kind of like Wah. you know like that i'll just tell you this like in london that people throw pounds at street musicians you know like the metal pounds that's gotta hurt um, well not <laughs> they throw them at the ground and they make this like clunk sound oh, when they hit okay. the ground it's like and that gives you a bad idea of how much it's worth like a pound is like a buck and a half two bucks something like that so people I, it's are, enough for coffee people are throwing down like 50 70 pounds at the feet of dudes who are just strumming guitars and singing Simon and Garfunkel in like Leicester Square Piccadilly Circus like this is the level of respect for the arts that you have in Europe you know can you imagine what these we're staying in like people's ancestral homes that they have been converted into a little pub downstairs and their little apartment that's been in the family for nine generations upstairs and they make us a homemade meal and we play to like their best friends and like this band from New York is in town this little tiny village in Belgium mm -hmm. I mean you, 
amazing right yeah you just can't and it just you don't get that experience in america although i will say this though that i actually liked people all over america i thought that they were gonna suck especially in places like texas i don't know why i thought texas was gonna suck but even in even outside of austin like people were cool and nice and uh, in the south and the midwest people were really nice i mean i am a white male so that maybe affects (laughs) yeah but i I heard austin has a great music scene recently oh yeah they have yeah yeah yeah, totally and they're for the most part they're um lack of a better word uh tolerant uh yeah yeah no (laughs) it is cool austin's cool and i'm sure there's you know um issues I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad, but but really, I I was impressed with how nice everybody was all across America. You know, just because I feel like we're so divided right now, like politically, red states, blue states, and blah blah blah. It's like it makes for good news or something, and you just expect to find these monsters out in the middle of the country, but they don't exist. That's the beauty about the arts, dude. (laughs) Or at least they're rare. The arts connect everybody, regardless of of anything, really. Yeah, totally. Like your music could be played. America, Europe, Middle East, the jungles of Africa. Rock and roll, man. Whoever appreciates that music, you know, sticks with them. It it touches something in them. I feel there's something beautiful and almost universally uh, majestic about that notion of the song that that I write, the book that I write, the film I make has that potential to reach the eyes of an individual who's halfway across the world in a different class than me. And appreciate it. Yeah, it's that universality, that human. I, I went crazy on you. I'm sorry. No, I appreciate uh, it. I'm I'm usually that that that's usually me. So that's my dream. This podcast episode <laughs> might end up on someone's internet in I don't know Thailand or something. Yeah. I don't know. No, uh, totally. Okay, and you said and in, in your lady cop didn't work out. You guys broke up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say it didn't work out because we had a great time. We put out some records. I'm happy with and. Um, we played a ton of shows, a lot of people, you know, I'm sure we touched people and people told me, you know, um, that the music reached them and, you know, you could see it. And I feel like it's an interesting name, Lady Cop. How do you even come up with that? How do we come up with it? I think we just thought it was cool. I like the idea that of like a feminine word mixed with like a more aggressive word like authoritative yeah it's kind of like recasting of both words like the juxtaposition makes made people a little uncomfortable and there's something like elegant about lady and then cop is kind of like gritty and streety and i don't know there was just something kind of powerful but yet not um uh oppressive about it or something like hey she's a lady but she's a cop. She's <laughs> a cop. Like, how are you supposed to feel about Lady Cop? It's like a little bit sexy, but I don't know, but somehow not not sexist. So is it after the band, you guys went your separate ways, that you came back to San Jose? Yeah. Um, yeah, I moved back. Kind of, I we had just finished up this like seven and a half month tour and our friends, Cats and Cats and Cats, um, this awesome math rock band from uh, London, had flown out and they did the last like two weeks with us on the east coast and the the van broke down um there was a bus our school bus broke down and and i was just so tired oh, it was like a school bus yeah we were you guys, tr- you guys with the beatles huh we had a school bus that ran on vegetable oil i actually still own it i fixed it up because i couldn't let it die um it's a really cool bus. Um, there's actually the bus was getting more pressed than we were towards the end of the the tour, but um, <laughs> uh, it had like in giant letters on both sides written, "This bus runs on vegetable oil," and so we drove, which is true. Like we ran it on straight veggie from like dumpsters. Wow, so it saved a lot of money, but that it wound up eventually like you know um, messing up our fuel injectors. So there, anyway, there's this massive repair to be done at the end of um, the 
tour and like it was just so discouraging and I was just so tired I had lost like 10 pounds like it, it, it was just a really long haul and I was just like all right well I could either like get a job again because we'd quit our jobs when we left New York we we're back in New York like I could get another restaurant job and like start saving up money again and put out another record and book another tour and you know shoot myself or I could just move back to California and be close to my parents I mean my parents are in their late 70s mm. so it's about time for me to spend some time Ooh. with them are your parents retired yeah from doing what uh, my dad uh, was in research he's he was a physicist um, by training he did research at um, Xerox um, my mom uh, was an editor with Random House and then she was a housewife like raising kids mother. Were, were they into the arts yeah um, yeah, my dad plays violin and the piano and banjo and wow. sings and what's he talented? Yeah, he's a cool guy. I think he really wanted to be a musician, but so he didn't feel like it was uh, a viable option in his family. He had those genes in you. Yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, I can't remember. Yeah, so I was like coming back to California just to be closer to my family again. Um, I I do not regret it. It's it's really hard. To, re- to leave California, which should be, especially if you're over 30 and you move back to California um, or you move to California, you never want to leave. If you, Especially if you have moved from a cold place, like someplace like New York. Yeah. It's just so nice here all the time. <laughs> like, the, you used to take it for granted. Now you're like, you, you, you've seen the other side. Oh, God, the other side is so fucking cold, man. I'm telling you, like, New York in the winter and Boston's even worse is like, it's cold that will hurt you. Like, well, physically, it will actually cause you physical damage. Frostbite. Yeah, like you, you could oh, die and fuck that. walk home late at night. Like I mean, I used to walk home through Boston late at night, and it's like getting a negative twenty and stuff. And you're just an idiot because you're twenty, you know. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I walk five miles home because I don't want to pay for a cab. And then you're like in danger of dying. Dude, <laughs> you know? some of the women I see wearing, you know, skirts in the cold. And it's like, oh my god, lady, please. Oh yeah, my God. you gotta get you gotta trouble. get the right clothes for sure. Yeah, it took me like six years to buy a real coat when I was out there. I was like, I have a coat, and there were people like, that's not a coat. I'm like, sure it is. I have my like California windbreaker on or something. <laughs> They're like, that's not a coat. <laughs> so you moved back, and how long was this gap until you made cola? Um, well, I was I was already I was immediately writing cola material, like as soon as I got back. Um, but it took a while. For me to have the gumption, the heart to get out and start singing songs and playing for people again, I was really tired after um, that last tour with Lady Cop, um, and just kind of sad and I don't know, like just I needed a break. So at that point, I took a job playing the piano for for Ballet San Jose, which is now called Silicon Valley Ballet, um, and uh, I was playing a lot of jazz guitar again. Um, which I was still am, like really looking. So you're going back to your to. roots. Yeah, just kind of digging in and, and like, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I loved all this like post hardcore and indie rock and electronic and all this stuff like that I was doing. But I'm like, this isn't really exactly me. Like, what is my? I got this chance with this little break, which felt like the end of the world at the moment at that time. But I got this chance. The the silver lining was. I had this chance in that little still point where I was just stopped for a second to be like, okay, what is my favorite kind of music? 
you know, if I could play anything in the world, because I might as well, because whatever, I'm basically retired. That's how it, that's how you feel when you leave New York. You're just like, all right, well, my life is over. I might as well just go bowling or something, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm so, I'm like, well, what's my favorite kind of music? And I just came up with this something, like somewhere between the Stones and, and uh, the Velvets. And, you know, I don't, that, that was like kind of a starting point. I'm like, I like those. I'm like, well, when I go out to a bar and there's a, jukebox and I put 20 bucks in it because I'm an asshole <laughs> and I just want to listen to my music um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> if you have good taste in music I don't mind yeah but some people out there it makes yeah. me want to throw a yeah, fucking right up right. a bit you know what I'm saying no I usually I like to leave like seven or eight tracks for someone else I, I like to do that there's certain etiquette but I will put on a good like 12 13 tracks and hopefully people will like them but yeah I was like well, what am I still putting on like I'm not putting on Fugazi as much as I love them and I probably can't find them even on like the you know the fancy computer jukeboxes. I'm not gonna find Bugazi, but what am I putting on? And I realized I was putting on the Stones, um, Bob Dylan, uh, the Velvet Underground, the Pixies, uh, somewhat um, mm, Leonard Cohen. Although in a bar, maybe not quite as much. Mostly, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Leonard Cohen's the band, man. I Jeez. love Leonard Cohen, but like when I'm out and I want to like get high energy and listen right. to like some rock and roll, it's going to be true. the Stones or the Velvets or Lou Reed or or like um, L- Leonard Cohen's more yeah. if you're in love or you're really depressed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leonard Cohen is like come back, light some candles, um, you know, get meditative and and oh. and take a little voyage. But yeah, I found there was only like a handful of bands like. This is the thing. Like, I like to think what I'm trying to do with Cola is I'm trying to write rock and roll for grownups. Um, not that it isn't also for kids. Like, I hope kids like it because they're a huge part of what makes rock and roll what it is. But like, there's so much rock and roll that I can't listen to too much anymore. Just because, as a grown-up, you start to be like, oh yeah, like that's a little embarrassing. It's the words like usually. That you're just like, oh yeah, like you know, my Weezer records don't get that much play anymore. I yeah. love Weezer. Like I remember loving Weezer, especially the first two records. After after Pinkerton, I was kind of out. But um, you know, I just I, I thought they were so clever and fun, and like they rocked and everything. And it, it just like it just doesn't speak to me that much anymore. Yeah. And even some of the you know like the the punkier stuff, like some of the more serious stuff, like Sonic Youth and everything. I, I like that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's a little bit more associated with my youth and with youth, and I love that there are kids that are idealistic and and um, listening to that music and really feeling it. Like I can remember riding the subway in Boston and like kicking, like realizing that my leg was kicking out into the floor like so hard, and people were looking at me <laughs> just because I had Fugazi on in my in my yeah. headphones, and I was just like so pumped yeah. and and like righteously you know indignant about social justice and everything and and that's great and i'm glad that that exists it's just like nowadays i want to listen to the stones i want to listen to lou and and some i don't know just some, that, that resonates with me because yeah i agree weezer I'm, i have a hard time to listen to these days mm-hmm. some 41 blink mm-hmm. 182 like it's yeah, like the, very youthful music yeah and i'm like you know when i was a kid i used to listen to these a lot but now it's like i just can't like don't know what it is yeah, like I I like it, and under certain circumstances, like get me on the dance floor. If you put Fugazi on, I will try. I'll probably like throw out my back or something, <laughs> you know, like trying. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, for the most part, I want to hear um some stuff that doesn't. Em- well, I don't know. I'm not gonna say Fugazi embarrasses me, but like something about it, it just uh, I don't know. I like want 
I want something else. I'm a little older, so. All right. So in the jukebox, yeah. these these are the music you're putting on. Yeah, and and okay. and so I just was like, all right, well, I might as well try and make that kind of music. Like I'm not part of some scene anymore that like has been carrying me since like the late '90s. All my friends are making this kind of music, and we're part of some thing. Like I didn't. I'm like, well, I pretty much jumped ship from that when I moved back west or like and I didn't really feel like going out and finding it again I was just kind of like I just want to try something else you know I think that's a really good thing to do change is really good and you know change it up every four or five years or whenever you need to you know get get reborn a little bit and then cola how did it come together because oh, you, you have yeah. a great set of musicians in your band yeah I do god I don't know how that how that happened um <laughs> Craigslist stat? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, it's adult friend finder. There you go. Um, no, uh, it was so my buddy Peter, I think, was the first one I started jamming with, who plays another pianist at the ballet. Um, who's uh, he? He's in a band called the Vanities. That's his project, which is really cool. He's also in Jean Jackets. Um, he's toured all over the place. Um, he was in some really cool bands. He lived in Seattle immediately previous to moving out here. So I asked him to just play some keys with me, and you know, then I, as my friend Brian was was doing some um, harmonies, and my my other friend Freya, um, who's chillista, was playing some cello, and I was just kind of like getting my friends to come in and like play with me on shows, um, getting into booking shows, um, just sort of as a hobby, like to put together a really cool show was sort of something that I like to do. I think of it as like throwing a party. So it was just kind of like people I would get to for specific shows to come and play with me. And then eventually... It was more of a collaboration. It wasn't exactly a set band then. Yeah, no, it was like, here are the songs. Why don't you play some tambourine on this one? Play a keyboard pad here. Can you sing a harmony there? Like, you know, that kind of thing based around acoustic guitar. And then at a certain point, everyone was like, God, I really want to hear drums on this. Or when are you going to get a drummer? When are you going to get a drummer? And I was just like, ah, yeah, yeah. And, and kind of it's just like a whole such a different animal. Yeah. Drummers are hard because either they go metal or jazz mm -hmm. there's not really in between as much around here yeah a, dr a good drummer is like gold you know so anyway my buddy um told me about this drummer um evan bautista who's kind of he's like just just trust me just trust me just just get this guy if you can and um so i you know talked to him he's actually on the latest dr dre record you know he's like a really yeah he's like a sought after session guy um so he's a studio musician yeah he's just a musician musician like he's a drum teacher i think he's got like 150 students or some absurd number of students he works really hard does a lot of different things but um he happens to be like a monstrous drummer like you know of the caliber that i'd never even played with before at least not since like college um so yeah like anyway so i approached him and he was down um to play we did one show over at jj's and then right after that we went up to oakland and we tracked seven songs in like four hours and that's that's the recordings that we seven have seven songs four hours yeah we did all the tracking and all the vocals that wind up on this recording i think that you're, you said you're going to play one of them all the vocals on this thing what i'm still calling a demo were scratch vocals that were recorded live at the wow. same time that I played the electric guitar parts. That's amazing. So it's amazing you did seven songs in four hours. Well, we just banged them out, you know, and and like honestly, I think that kind of shows to my ear now. I'm just like, ah, I wish we had a little more time to arrange them, something, you know. But um, they are what they are, and it was literally like now that I do not recommend this to anyone. 
what but it was just a matter of like how much time we had um we literally took songs that had been playing on acoustic guitar and singing and then just like added a drum beat and a bass part playing you know the chords and and like another keyboard part a little tambourine and i i put down my acoustic guitar and picked up the telecaster and played like my exact same parts i mean not a good idea in general but somehow like we made it work to in a very basic way like the songs come out um so that's what that <laughs> that's what these recordings are and i still think of them as like a demo i'm really actually right now turning my attention towards making like a like a record that's actually conceptualized to be a rock record with a band from the beginning as opposed to just taking like are you looking for record labels possibly we're talking to some people um you know that's something i've been bringing up to our friends is how come there are no local record labels around here yeah i don't know man i've been diy like like i said i love fugazi so much and i really took that whole philosophy to heart of starting your own label doing your own everything like i booked three european tours like four month long like 16 country tours totally by myself so that's sort of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and you know no one can sell records anymore anyway so why do we need a label i don't know like i mean the so i don't know i'm not an expert on it basically i see the way forward for my band as being a regional touring band within a couple of years that's we want to tour the west coast and be playing good shows from here to seattle and down to la you nice. know um and that's that's my only goal for it i'm not looking to get famous or rich or um change music i just want to play good rock and roll shows to nice crowds size crowds of people who are having fun you're doing it for the music yeah i because now i can afford to like i somehow like i got a good day, day job i love my job at the ballet like my needs are covered and this is just um, what I love. I love to play, rock, and I like to throw parties. And I, that's how I think of good shows. They should feel like a party. So that's what we're doing over at Ritz with Scene and over at uh, our boutique as well. Just trying to like bring people out, rock people out, show them a good time. Not too serious. You know, maybe you can find something serious in my lyrics if you want. <laughs> but you don't have to. You can just come out and dance, and that's totally cool. Cola. How do you come up with the name Cola? Um, I have thought about that name for a while. I just think it's a beautiful word, and um, I like that it's kind of American, iconically American, and not so not terribly good for you, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, that's a pretty good correlation. Something. American, <laughs> not good for you. Got it. Yeah, just kind of like yeah, those things. I okay. Think. Yeah. Now you mentioned this before in your songwriting. Uh, what's your creative process like? Um, when it comes to songwriting, uh, music, developing? Yeah, I have a pretty... Um, I've developed a songwriting uh, process that works pretty well for me in that I will sit at the... I'll sit with like a tape recorder. That's my preferred, although lately it's been my iPhone. And um, just... I'll come up with ideas after idea. I'll be like, okay... Um, part with guitar. I'm like strumming my guitar. I'm singing some nonsense. One part. And then I'll take that part and I'll... I'll do a second part. I'll have one part that moves into a second part. And I feel like, and you know, it might be a verse into a chorus or a chorus into a verse or a a verse into a bridge or a bridge into a chorus. It doesn't really matter. If I have one part of a song that sounds really cool and unique that moves into another part of a song that's also cool and unique in a way that's somehow magical, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So I will do this. I'll be like part, part. Okay, put it down stop that takes about 
25 seconds okay that's recorded next and I'll do it again two more parts next and I'll do like 20 of those um, and then I'll just walk away and I'll come back like a few hours later the next day whatever and I'll listen to them and like two or three of them will be special and I feel like at that point I have this little like nugget, <laughs> this little like golden nugget and I can, and then it's just technique. It's just songwriting technique. After that point, you can take that. I can take that. I feel like, and turn it into a complete song reliably. If I have less than that, then I might fail <laughs> to turn it into a good song. Like I'm there. Um, I want to have that much to work with um, because I feel like after that, it's all just sort of like songwriting technique and math and like of course there's like good stuff like there's good stuff that comes up creatively afterwards but it's like the kind of thing where I feel like if I just keep slugging away at it after that it's like the first thing takes me literally like 30 seconds and then it takes about 20 hours after that like 15 or 20 hours to finish a song so but that's just like kind of you know that's that's uh blue collar work there you just get in the trenches like and and do do the job and and you know that's technique songwriting technique that you've developed hopefully over a long time and you know I feel like I just put in the hours and then the song will finish will eventually be finished if I have that much to start with so that's my process wow that's great yeah now let's say there's a young musician coming up what are some tips you would from your experience that you would give to him or her I would say um, I deal with a lot of young artists um, and just young people uh, through outreach and stuff. Um, I like to tell people to focus on what they love as opposed to what they don't like. Like when they're when you're building their taste, especially at a certain point, like junior high, high school, people start to talk about the things that they spend a lot of time sometimes talking about all the music that they hate, and I th I'm always just like, yeah, just just ignore it, just totally ignore what you don't like and only f just go and aggressively find new things to love find new music to love like while you're young well because the people that i've known who were in their then 20s whenever you reach your musical maturity and some people reach it absurdly young but i didn't you know i feel like i'm not even barely there i reached it when 20 something 21 probably yeah yeah but like i feel like the people who were doing the most interesting things when they were kind of at their peak were the people who had these really really broad interests when they were younger and then suddenly like there's a band Polvo I'm thinking of just off the top of my head and there's like gamelan music like cymbal music coming out of uh you know and and like then like butt rock and like zeppelin and like punk and noise and and you know and just um you know the more that you can kind of ingest and digest when you're young and expose yourself to and the more and, and genuinely love when you're young that is just going to feed you when you're when you're older and when you're making your your work and give yourself time because it just takes time you can't help it you have to write a thousand songs or something before you write a good one you know or yeah. a really good one and just give yourself that time just keep doing it love what you're doing not that you aren't going to play good shows and, and reach people when you're younger and do something that's meaningful but like you're gonna reach your peak when you're like older after some time and it's gonna be great and the and the more and the more um of this kind of uh broad seeking and and loving of different kinds of art and music that you do the the richer you're gonna be at that time mm -hmm. um so that would be my advice great well we're past the one hour mark mm-hmm 
at this point, you know, where can people check out your work? Um, you can check us out um, at Facebook. It's Cola the Band. That's probably a good starting point. We've got a couple of videos out, which are <laughs> pretty fun. I really um, liked your tongue tripping video. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, that's our drummer, Evan. I was talking about who who um, produced that one, filmed it and everything. That was like one shot in his apartment. Really fun. I looked at the script. I was like, you're crazy. He's like, bull, mechanical bull. What are you talking about? And then it just made sense later when I watched it. Um, and then we just filmed another one, um, first song called Perry Mason, which we've I've seen that one, yeah. Friends. A lot of familiar faces. A lot of downtown San Jose faces on that one. Yeah, that's kind of my thing. Like, this is the party, you know? Um, this is the kind of party we want to throw. It's just people... It's a sloppy Halloween party. People drinking and dancing and, and getting stupid in a house um, in downtown San Jose wearing costumes to one of our songs. It's like not too complex but pretty pretty fun and it's on your facebook page yeah there's links to both of those through facebook um if you look for we have a youtube channel it's cola um youtube um you can look for tongue trippin or perry mason those are the two songs um the two videos if you look on youtube or we have we have a band camp too um which is cola rock cola rock yeah cola rock at bandcamp.com or cola rock.bandcamp.com or whatever so yeah great any upcoming shows or anything like that um we are actually recording this month we're maybe looking at a date um like early december um oh we are going to be playing at bottom of the hill um in san francisco on december 5th which is a friday uh with a really cool band called bliss's b and another band which i can't remember um but that's a good show. We're excited about that. Like that's a cool venue, and we're interested in playing more in San Francisco and other places. Um, but San Jose, we might play Cafe Stretch uh, late November, early December. Not sure. Kind of talking with Maxwell about that. I like that place too. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'll keep you posted. Or Cliff, thank <laughs> you again for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. Fun. Cool. And we're out. Oh, wait. Before we go out, though, you yeah. have a song you want to play. I oh, forget. Okay. So uh, play the music, Maestro. I thought I was going to get away there. Hold on. Oh, Caroline. Well, we were making love in the park. All right. Huh. Well, you broke my mind, baby. And you broke my heart. Well, listen. I think I love you now in that white dress. Come on, ooh, yes, well, ooh, yes. Alright, I think you got something to an excess. Come on, ooh, yes, well, ooh, yes, well, ooh, yes. Oh, careful line. Well, baby, things don't look the same. No, they don't, girl. Alright, I got a picture of you in my mind, huh? Well, baby, lately you don't fit that frame. No, you don't, girl. But I think I love you now in that white dress. Come on, ooh, yes. Alright, ooh, yes. Well, I think you got something all to an excess now. Ooh, yeah, yeah.